think lack of vision. I think, okay. you know, if, if you've got the vision for something you're trying to build, then you have some idea of what that next step is, that next person that you're trying to hire, that next milestone in the business you want to hit. If you are totally focused with making rent and making payroll and getting as much work as possible done today, then documenting your business, creating SOPs, creating training, it's never gonna be the most urgent fire. You know, people that do that work are building toward a bigger vision. People that don't do that work are stuck in today. All right. Thanks so much for joining me, Chris. I really appreciate you being here, sir. Absolutely. What's up, Dalton? Oh, dude, I'm, I'm excited. I love, uh, follow Tranual, um, read the book. Uh, and so that's the first question, by the way, is you're, well, you were 15 years old. I read this in an article. You were 15 years old and you got out of class early for a business meeting and they didn't know you were 15. That was your video production company, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was living, I know the story you're talking about. I was okay. living in, uh, in Massachusetts where I grew up just outside of Boston. And in Boston, if you've ever been to Boston, one of the things that they're really well known for is the Boston duck tours. Have you ever heard of the duck tours? No. They're like these amphibious boats. They're, they were from the, the army in like the 50s or something. And these boats, they, they drive all around town. They do a tour of the city. And then they drive into the Charles River and they float around or the, the, uh, the harbor or whatever it is. And so these boats are like one of the most touristy things you could possibly do. So I had this little video company. I was in high school. And one of my friends had a connection somehow whose dad worked at the Boston Duck Tours. They knew I was doing video stuff. So somehow I got connected and they wanted a year end video like a, like for their big company event. And so I got connected to the marketing people, whatever, throughout this, this whole corporate thing and they asked me to come in for a meeting. And I said, all right, yeah, I can do like late afternoon on this day. And so my mom picks me up at school. I'm like, you know, fresh out of gym class. I've got a, like a, a shirt and a suit jacket in the car. My mom drives me into downtown Boston because I don't have a license. And I'm, I'm navigating the Prudential Center tower to go like all the way up this corporate tower to their office. And I walk in and the receptionist thinks I'm like fundraising or selling cookies or something. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm uh, like, I'm here for, for a meeting. And she looked at me like, are you kidding me? And she's like, all right, I'm, I'll let them know. And so they take me into this big conference room and I'm pitching this like corporate group as a, as a 15 year old. And so it, it definitely builds some character to, you know, sit in those board, those boardrooms. That's amazing because this, that whole thing kind of led to the next question that I love talking about, which is confidence because, uh, you know, doing, uh, my research on Tranual, it was, 20, it started in 2015, didn't go the way you hoped, tried it again in 2018, didn't go the way you hoped. And then I read this piece in there uh, where you, you said, you know, you talked about building an audience, but you talked about more of like confidence of like, and, and that was my question, right? Like, it seems like you've always had the confidence to just walk into a boardroom, you know, when you were 15 or maybe like have that confidence to like fail at 2015, maybe not fail is the right word, but like, not succeed right away at 2015, not succeed right away at 2018. Like, what did you have to do with your confidence? What did you have to do with your mindset to like, keep going? 
<laughs> you know, no, I, I mean, think it's this is so random, but the thing that I, that can't that popped into my mind immediately when you asked about this is when I was also 15 years old, I didn't know how to dive into a pool, which seems like a, a you know, such a simple <laughs> thing you learn as a kid, but I would jump in like it, we have footage of this. I would I would, you know, put my arms out in front of me and then just kind of jump in feet first or like I it was a disaster and then it was the belly flops and I just it was a disaster. And my my brother, who's younger than me, would just use like a, a merman, you know, would just slide right into the pool. But even in a crowded pool, I forced myself over and over and over a public pool. I'm like, I'm just going to try this. I'm just going to try it. And like over time, I got better at it. And so I think confidence, it, it takes being OK looking stupid and realizing that at the beginning, we all look stupid at the thing that we're trying to learn. We're all beginners. And if you're worried about what other people think, then you're never going to develop enough reps to get confident. The same mm -hmm. happened when I started posting on social media. I was like a very afraid to hold up my camera on my phone and record a little video of myself, right? I'm sure you've been there. And yeah. and my first videos were terrible, awful. <laughs> and and like I'm quiet and I I don't know how to speak clearly and I'm not even really making a point, but I posted it and I put it out there. And then when you start doing that every single day, you get the reps, eventually you get good and nobody looks at the early stuff. So I think confidence <laughs> is really just repetition. Yeah, like getting better, like, and just, yeah, I think, like, I uh, heard it once, like, embracing the suck. Like, it's just not going to be good, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but, embrace the suck. Just if I can dive in a public pool as, like, a grown teenager, <laughs> how I did, then anyone out there can do it, too. Anyone out there can do it. Well, I would love to get your story a little bit. And it's out there. I mean, you, you've, you, you wrote uh, the business playbook. It's in a little bit there. You're the CEO of Tranual. Um, and it seems like, you know, you've always kind of had, you know, when you were 15, you've always had this kind of entrepreneurial bug. Um, but is this something, is that what you always wanted to do? Like start a company and, and do that? Or was it like, I mean, how did you grow up? Take us all the way back. Yeah. So my dad was in business, but not an entrepreneur. Like he, he went up through sales and marketing and he worked in the food industry as a, like a food broker. And so he would go to conferences and he would go have trade shows and he had a cool briefcase and would wear a suit to work and, you know, and worked in this corporate center that had like a little pond in the atrium. And to me, that was success. It was like, you know, oh, everything's shiny and he's got like a, a wooden desk. And so I had this like glamorous, you know, or 80s view of, of business. And when I was coming up, it wasn't ever about entrepreneurship. It was, I wasn't thinking of starting my own company. I was thinking, how do I make money? What can I do to make money? So I didn't think of myself as an entrepreneur. I thought of myself as an employee of myself. You know, it was like, <laughs> right, like no, I if, if I can wash a car and get $4 or if I can like do someone's you know, landscaping, or if I can shovel snow, or if I can sell wrapping paper, it was all about how do I make money on my own. And so then I started getting different ideas of how to make money. You know, it was like, what if I started an apparel company and made a logo and sold all my friends the t-shirt? Or what if I, um, you know, started burning CDs at, when nobody else had a CD burner and, and selling my like mixtapes and, you know, and, and so... I think the the entrepreneurial streak developed probably in my uh, my early teen years. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what's cool. I've done like 350 of these interviews and it, there's always a theme. It's always like, maybe they had that entrepreneurial bug, but may, but it was just like this. How do I like better my situation? And I think yeah. that's such a cool uh, piece. And then now, how did you get into, you've been in the consulting world. I mean, that's kind of like, if I remember reading that correctly, that's kind of where you've landed, you landed and then Trainual happened. So give us a little, give me a little bit of a rundown on like what Trainual is, but more importantly, like how that started, because it took a while. And then obviously we're going to talk about community building, because I think that is such a fascinating topic. But, but yeah, give me, tell, tell me a little bit about Trainual uh, for the audience. Oh, yes. and then, how do you do that? Yeah. So let me give, I'm going to give like the 30 second quick version of how Trainual started. So when I was yeah. 14, I started this video production company, thought I wanted to be in video production, started filming events at my school, soccer games, talent shows, cheerleading competitions, realized we could sell that footage to parents and coaches and scouts. And so my friend and I built this video business through high school, through college, and then beyond college that I ended up running for 12 years. We had over yeah. 300 camera operators. We had three offices around the country. And the most important part of that business was the consistency of how we did what we did. How do we show up in any venue in America and look and feel and act like the same brand that customers expect? And so that got dialed into me at a pretty early age through my teens and then my early 20s. And my whole life was around operationally organizing my business. I wanted it to be like, you know, a, a franchise or something. And so I ran that for 12 years, ended up selling that company. And that led me into consulting because I was in all these entrepreneurship groups that saw that I had people around the country. I was like remotely running my business. I lived in Arizona where no one else, you know, none of my employees or offices were. And my friends were like, I want that. How do I do that? And so I, I just started going company by company and saying, I'll work at your office for one day a week. I'll work at your office for one day a week. I'll work in your warehouse for one day a week. And I sort of time shared what I was doing across all these companies. And I saw that process is industry agnostic. Every different business, no matter what you're building, product or service, any industry, you need to have process, you need to have operations if you want to scale. So I first was doing anything consulting wise, and then I dialed it in to let me help you build your operations manual, your workflows, your roles and responsibilities. And I started saying like your playbook, let me build the playbook for your business. I would do it manually with documents and videos and Dropbox folders. And in 2015, 14, 15, like you mentioned, I thought I should have something proprietary. If I want my consulting business to scale, I should have something proprietary. So that's where the idea for Trainual came from. Wow. I love that because I've been, you know, I've been in uh, business for quite a while, have my own, and there is nothing like just a good manual. Like I think one thing that I talk about them and I'd love to get your opinion on this. One thing that I see with business owners is like, how do you work um, on your business, not in your business? And that's like, can you, can somebody do this job? And if they don't do it, can somebody else do it just as good? Like with that process. Right. And, and I think it just saves entrepreneurs so much headache. If you know that, like, if you have that confidence that you can be like, look, I can give this to anybody and they can own it because I've done yeah. this so well or whatever. 
Yeah, you know what's crazy for me is at, at some point, I don't remember when this was, I started coming across people that had bought businesses. They <laughs> purchased a business that they knew nothing about. Like I met this one entrepreneur who was in like a, a food kind of food truck business, sold his food truck business and bought a company that replaced roofs. And I was like, why did you buy the company that replaced roofs? And he took me through, well, like they have it dialed in, there's crews, their roofs are super profitable and I can run this business. And, and it had nothing to do with him being able to do any roofing skills, anything in the business. He just bought the business and owned it. And when you think about that, you know, it's like entrepreneurs, a lot of us start a business because we're the technician, because we think we're good at something and we want to deliver some product or service, but you don't have to do that. And in fact, that's not even the end goal. The goal is for us to be totally out of it as if we bought some business we don't even know how to operate, right? Right. Well, and that's the key. I mean, you mentioned this a lot and, you know, I've seen the interviews and articles and, and your podcast. Um, but that's like one of the key things when you're selling a business. I mean, I, I work with attorneys and accountants all the time and it like the number one thing is like, you know, are there, are there financials in place? I think that's the number one, but then like, can you go in there and know what is going on? Like, do people know what they're doing? Is yeah, there could someone else run your business? <laughs> that, you know, that's probably one of our, that phrase, yeah. one of our most successful ads ever. We ran it for like a couple of years. Could someone else run your business? Like, could you pass yeah. the keys to somebody else? Could they run your business? Because if not, your company's not really worth anything. You know, it's really just like a job for you. And it's like a playground yeah. where you get yeah. to have friends and do work. Yeah. And but if someone else can't run your business, it's not really an asset. And like you mentioned, you know, having a manual, having a playbook, whatever you call it, is like the instruction manual that comes in the box with something you buy. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. this is how it works. This is how you put it together. If you don't have that, then it's not worth much. Yeah. And it really, and like, why, why do you think, I guess, let me back up. What do you think is the hardest part about building a playbook for some people? Because I know there's a lot that goes into it, but what do you think prevents people from just starting to build one in the first place? Like, so for me, for example, like I just started a business and we're, and right now I'm running it like on Google docs, going to train you soon. Uh, but like now we're just like, we're getting big enough to where we're like having to need more of these. But what do you think is a big like hang up for those people at, at the, I, in the beginning? I think lack of vision. I think, okay. you know, if, if you've got the vision for something you're trying to build, then you have some idea of what that next step is, that next person that you're trying to hire, that next milestone in the business you want to hit. If you are totally focused with making rent and making payroll and getting as much work as possible done today, then documenting your business, creating SOPs, creating training, it's never going to be the most urgent fire. You know, people that do that work are building toward a bigger vision. People that don't do that work are stuck in today. Okay. I like that. How do you start building and like, where do you start building an operations playbook? So it's pretty easy. There's a couple of places to start. The first is if there is a urgent reason to document something, like if there's a task that's taken up all of your time and you're hiring a VA, 
document that first. If there is a new person you're hiring next month, like you're going to bring on your first sales rep or something, that is the most urgent thing that you need to document in the business. So you always start with like, is there some urgent need to get something off my plate? The next thing is, where am I going to get the most ROI across the company? Like, is there content that everyone in my business needs to know? Is there... Mm -hmm. Something that maybe, you know, in my video example, for instance, we had tons and tons of camera operators. But even when we had three, I wanted to make sure that they were operating consistently. So there's a really high ROI on outlining what I expected of a camera operator in that role. You know, what people want when they join a business is clear expectations. That's really it. They want to know what does success look like in my position? How do I know I'm doing a good job? And what do you expect of me as the business owner? And so creating that outline those roles and responsibilities, those best practices. It's to set your people up for success. And so you start with wherever you're going to get the most ROI. The last thing I would say is you, you, you document the things that change least frequently. And so when you think about any business, you've got, you know, maybe your core values, your mission, your vision, your founding story, the stuff you teach people on their first day, that stuff everyone needs to know in the business. And it doesn't change all that often. And so if you write that down, you've got something you can use for a long time and it's high value. Mm, I like that. And that's a pretty, I mean, it kind of seems like, uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously you did, but you did the same thing that you're teaching everybody else to do, right? It's like, how do we even, what's the SOP for my SOP, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know oh, that's, I mean? a, that's a good one too. Um, yeah. You know, and that's, that's good when you've got other people documenting SOPs. So it depends on the size <laughs> of the company. You know, yeah, like at the beginning, point, yeah. maybe it's just one person that's writing down everything if, if you're a very small team. But as you have multiple managers and multiple teams, then you absolutely want to democratize documentation and you <laughs> yeah. need an SOP for making SOPs. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I'm, I'm only going to change gears a little bit because I really want to get to kind of like, you know, your thoughts on, on two main things. And so I, I love talking about this, um, you know, these, these ideas in business, right? So like I met with, you know, one of the things that I always joke about is like, you could write on LinkedIn, you could put like culture, value, and, you know, sales in your LinkedIn post, all these buzzwords, and it would go viral, right? But nobody knows what they mean, really. Like, you know what, I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I always love, you know, you mentioned Inc. 2021s uh, and 2020, sorry, 2021, 2022, 2023, best workplaces, right? How do you do that? Like, I just, I met with another CEO over here in Utah. Uh, Vanessa, the owner of the CEO and founder of, or excuse me, the founder of Chatbooks. And we talked about culture. I think, but like, it's so, that's so ambiguous. Like when you read about it on LinkedIn, you know what I mean? It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Do you even know? And, and so I'm curious, like, how do you foster one of the best workplaces to be in? Listen to what your people say and act on it. It's really simple. When mm -hmm. I was consulting, mm -hmm. you know, before Trainual, I, I hit, 150 clients and over working with 150 different companies, I did about 2000 face to face confidential interviews with employees because I would interview everybody at the business when I got in there. And the, the number one thing I heard was that, oh, I, you know, I, I suggested this and like no one ever did anything with it. Or I've, I've mentioned this before and no one seems to care. 
employees have feedback. Employees want to improve the business. And they, they, whether they're reporting issues that exist or their own ideas or inefficiencies about the business, there is so much feedback that we can get from the people that are doing the, the jobs in our companies. And I think what creates a, a poor culture, a toxic culture, is when people don't have autonomy, when they're not listened to, and when they don't see that you take action. And so my number one advice for people would be to have a, a constant way to collect feedback from your people and then to act on that feedback. So I'll give you one example. Okay. We have a, uh, a domain even, um, I'm not, I'm not going to say what the domain is because I don't right. want people on the outside to be <laughs> submitting all the feedback, but we've got a domain that's basically like an ask me anything for me. And okay. all, all of our employees have access to this and can put questions in there, can submit confidential questions. And at every all hands meeting, I go through and I empty out the thing. I share my screen so everyone can see the questions that came in and I empty out my screen. And so there is never something that's festering behind the scenes because we can address things immediately. You can be transparent, mm -hmm. you can be you know, open, you can be thorough, you give a clear answer and you can act on people's suggestions. And if you do that, the culture is incredible. And when you say act on people's suggestions, I'm sure there's sometimes where you get a piece of feedback that maybe doesn't align with the goals of the business or maybe like we've tried it and it doesn't work. Like how do you how do you embrace that conversation that might need to be had but also, you know, keep people there, right? Like you know, make make them feel heard still. Yeah, one action is saying no and, and explaining why. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, okay. That's you fine. know, and so yeah. and so like when somebody suggests, you know, like why don't we have a three day work week or a four day work week or something <laughs> like that. Okay. I've got to, I, I explain my answer and I say, well, yeah. you know, that we have these other benefits that conflict with that philosophy. And we've got po certain positions that we require coverage across the different, you know, time zones and different hours. And we've got certain collaboration between departments that we need to find whatever time we can. And for those reasons, we're not going to do this. And like, and here's where you can find uh, <laughs> our thoughts on that in Trainual, <laughs> you know, as like, as like, <laughs> Okay, uh, here's yeah. the policy. Yeah, here's the plug. Yeah. And and I think that's one of the most important things. And when you're, to me, for having like a playbook is like you have to, it's already said, like expectations are already set, like boundaries have already been set, like, and we don't, we can always revert back to it. And there's like consistency, but also like there's no chance of like discrimination to one of the policies, right? Like, it's we've got like we've got to stick with this and, and whatever and and I, I'm sure they change over time but I feel like that's one good one that that has always helped me like no remember like this is one of our goals this is one of our values and we just kind of fall back on and if you don't have that playbook I, I feel like it'd be really hard to fall back on those in tough yeah. times yeah your playbook answers questions in advance you know and and yeah. you know to the point about like what to work on first the the one of the things that doesn't change a lot is your core values or your decision making principles like how in the absence of perfectly documented answers procedures processes how do we directionally make decisions here and so any entrepreneur any early stage company can put some energy into here's how we make decisions here's how we behave here's what it means to be a part of our team and that provides a lot of guidance to your people in the absence of more specific instructions 
Yeah, that's a, that's incredible. What um for if you don't mind sharing maybe some examples of stuff like that, like what's a what's a common way to like make decisions in the absence of you know structure, right? Like, I mean, I mean, how do you kind of go about doing that? That's interesting. Yeah, so. So, I mean, for, I, I can share ours, for example, our core values. So, uh, we've got six of them. Make ideas happen is the first one. Uh, it's like a, it's about acting. It's about taking action, moving fast. Don't let ideas just, you know, just sit on the shelf. Uh, everyone has a key is all about autonomy and ownership and realizing that like we can all contribute. You can speak up. We want to hear your opinion. You've got a seat at the table. Uh, no red tape is, you know, despite being a process and policy company, we want to be efficient and we don't want bureaucracy to get in the way. Show up ready, which I mentioned to you right before we started, is for, you know, like being prepared, being professional, uh, being your best self. Carry the groceries is a fun one because before being an entrepreneur, my only other job was bagging groceries. And uh, and that's about being helpful and helping people to their car and, you know, just carrying a the, the little bit of extra weight and realizing you're, you're being helpful. And then the last one is collect experiences. And that is a reminder that, you know, we are all trying to grow and enrich ourselves and make each other better and share what we're learning with the rest of our team. And so, so it's, you know, those six things for us have stories associated with them and have company awards associated with them and have real meaning among our employees. And so when somebody's helping a customer, they can not have to think about like, do I give a refund in this particular scenario? They think like, am I, am I like, uh, do I have a key? Like, can I make this decision on my own? Am I doing what's right for the customer? Am I carrying the groceries for them being helpful in the grand scheme of things? Like then I can make this decision, you know? And so, so it's, it's, um, it's that sort of thing where you, you use stories to inform your, your behaviors. Yeah. I like that. I'm just, I'm writing that down. That's it. Cause it's kind of like that leading with values and like, just get, because if, if everybody's kind of on the same page, then they can lead themselves kind of thing. Like if we know the foundation, then you really can't make a bad move unless you're totally off of the value base. Totally, totally. And now, now that doesn't work forever. You know, like to my example about giving refunds or making purchases or whatever, you know, someone right. could say like, oh, I'm making ideas happen and I just bought a Ferrari and that's cool. You know, like that, that doesn't work forever. And so sure. as the company grows, you start to institute different regulations. But in our case, we make sure there's no red tape. Like we don't want to be too bureaucratic, but we say, yeah. all right, if you're a, if you're a leader at this level, you can make $10,000 decisions. If you're a leader yeah. at this level, you can make $25,000 decisions. And it's enough of a, a guidance as a policy without being too constrained. Cause that's, that's not yeah. what policies are for. They're not there to help you, uh, answer questions or act faster, not to constrain you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, and in that same spirit, I think giving people that autonomy and helping people make decisions, making it easy for people to make decisions so that you can do that, uh, is just a, like, it's just people. Right. And so it kind of goes back to your thing, like, uh, listen and then act. Right. Which I, which I love. Um, now switching gears only a little bit because, I have a podcast. Trainio has a podcast. You're the, you're the host of it. Um, 
talk to me about audience building. Cause you said, I think I read this, you said in, in an article, you mentioned you only wish you would have started building an audience sooner. Yeah. Yeah. So when I tried launching Trainual initially, I had this software. I knew my handful of consulting clients were excited about the proposition of it because I was teasing it to them. And I thought, let me do a big launch. You know, like, let me let me set up a a email sequence, a drip sequence. Let me shoot a video to, you know, announce that I've got this big software. And at the time I had, you know, a couple hundred contacts or something from just local business groups. And when I announced Trainual to the world, as I knew it, I got three sales and it was, and it was pretty demoralizing. It was like, all right, well, I guess put that back on the shelf. I'm not a, I'm not a SaaS guy. Um, because I didn't, I didn't have a real audience. I hadn't, I hadn't been creating value, creating content about this thing to a wider audience to, you know, whet their appetite for a product that solved that. And so what I learned about marketing years in the years that followed is first, you want to just create as much value as you can. When I shifted from consulting to trainual, it was because I was charging for my time. I had valuable things that I was teaching the companies I worked with. And I realized if I just gave all this away as marketing content, then people are going to appreciate that I'm giving away all this value to them. You know, so let me just, let me just give away for free yeah. all of my consulting as marketing <laughs> content. And, and that ends up building an audience, but then I monetize that through the software product. And so it's, it's a little bit of a, a reverse. Uh, it, it was a, a, a mindset change, a big mindset change. The software business is a lot different than consulting. Oh yeah. And I mean, marketing for software is even harder, right? And so like having an audience is the way to go. Let me ask you this. A lot of SaaS companies, a lot of software companies, they go for that quick burn, right? So they're like, let's raise a bunch of money, let's dump it into ads, and then we're going to kickstart it, and then we'll build a community along the way. And maybe at some point, like, it'll invert, and <laughs> we won't have to raise money, and we'll just, it will, it will be profitable, right? Um, and a lot of p companies don't get to that invert. But you got, I mean, I, I don't know if you took money or not, but like, what was the kind of the thought behind audience building first, instead of maybe like a, a quick cash injection, and like roll in? Yeah, I don't believe in raising money at the beginning of a business because I think you need to build a business that's a valuable, a actual, actually a valuable organization and not just a valuable idea. Okay. And so, you know, so for, for me, our first few years were totally bootstrapped. You know, it was in, in the consulting firm. And then once we built it up to a few thousand a month in recurring revenue, that was validation for me, but it still wasn't a real business. So in 2018, that's when we spun it out as a, a different business, a different business entity and said, can we build Trainual into a real legitimate business? And can we do it ourselves without venture funding? And so for two years, we built it to millions in annual recurring revenue with no funding. And the, the, where funding can be useful is once you understand your funnel, when you understand the economics of how to get a customer, um, what it costs you to get a customer, and you have some scalable channels for how to get those customers, then cash can sort of become a constraint where you know there's demand for your product and you can't get customers fast enough because you're waiting to collect the money from your other customers. You know, so like if you've ever seen Shark Tank, a lot of times they talk about, you know, oh, I've got all this demand for my product, but I can't afford inventory. 
I can't afford to go get the inventory of product. And if I had money to pre-purchase that inventory, I could grow a lot faster. It's the same with a software company. When you've got demand for what you're doing and a proven demand, but you can't get the inventory of the eyeballs of the customers of the <laughs> ads, you need the money to go buy an inventory of top of funnel activity. Now you got to be smart about it because it doesn't yeah. work forever. And the problem that I think a lot of businesses, SaaS businesses make when you see all these layoffs is they anticipate wild growth and they grow their overhead too much. And so yeah. we've always maintained a stance where Trainual can be, pro can be profitable whenever we want to be. The only money we burn is on additional sales and marketing to acquire new customers because we understand that. But at any time, we can dial that back. We can change our, our acquisition yeah, okay. volume and, and run a profitable company because our, our overhead has not gotten like over our skis. And yeah. I think that's how you have to run a business. Yeah. I, uh, it, and it makes sense, by the way. Like I'm listening to you talk. I went through my MBA. Uh, that's what I mean. Everybody kind of runs through this, right? Which is like be profitable. And then I'm in Salt Lake City where we got silicone slopes and everybody just does the opposite. It's like, go, go grab, like, there's like pride and like, I raised 2 million bucks. And it's like, yeah, you did. But like, dude, we don't even have like, we might not even have an MVP. We just have a pitch deck dog. Like, we don't even know if this is going to work. And I've just, I, I don't know. It's, I like this way better. It, but the, the con is uh, kind of what you wrote down in your experience, which is it's five years, six years, right? To build a really solid audience that comes back and on all these things. And so, I mean, how do you teach patience? Like, I mean, you were in consulting, right? And, and I'm sure you, you talk about this, but like, how do you teach patience to people like that when they're doing SaaS or something? You know, I don't know if it's, do you teach yeah, I don't know if it's, if it's patience, because at any point in that journey, I probably would have considered myself impatient and just wasn't succeeding. You know, in mm. retrospect, it's patience, but in the, in the moment it's resilience and it's, it's the, it's the discipline to like, keep, keep trying, keep pushing and, and to realize that there's lessons in every failure and everything that doesn't go well. And so when you can flip your mindset into learning and collecting new lessons and constantly iterating and realize that you're in it for the long haul, then you may still be impatient, but you realize that even if you're not winning and a millionaire, you're, you're winning in other currencies and experience. You know, there's this book, yeah. the infinite game that I love by Simon Sinek. That's just like, yeah. Hey, realize the big picture, the big game that you're playing and that lens helps you really develop some patience. But I think impatience is, is also a good thing in business. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, and maybe, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the word urgency too, because it gets kind of like what you were saying too. Like, you know, it was resilience. It was this urgency to like get things rolling and like that we had a good idea that I didn't want to give up on it. Um, and, and I guess that's kind of how I want to kind of cap off our, our time together is, that mindset of like urgency, resilience, like how did you just, and I kind of brought it up and I kind of want to go for a circle because I brought it up at the beginning, but I'm just fascinated by this because I feel like that's what helps my audience the most is like, where does the grit come from? 
to just keep going. And like, I failed in 2015, three years later, it, it didn't work again in 2018. And now, you know, it's 2023 and we're booming and, and everything seems to be going our way. Like, how do you just have that vision and, and what does it take to like keep doing that? If you had, if you had to maybe boil that down to like one piece of advice or like your favorite piece of advice. I think if other people are succeeding in the world, then you know, it's possible. You just haven't figured <laughs> out the recipe yet, you know? That's and so, and so, you know, when, when you're watching and you're learning from other people and you're seeing what's possible and then you, you marry that with the, the urgency of, you know, like our, our value, make ideas happen. It's like, if I get an idea, if I get a piece of feedback, if I get you know, if there's something that I want to change, a spark of brilliance when I'm running or whatever, I'm acting on it that day. I like that day I'm taking action steps. I'm sending the email, I'm scheduling the meeting, I'm, I'm drawing a sketch on the whiteboard. I'm, I'm doing something to act on it. And if you don't act on your ideas, if you iterate at a much slower pace, then it's just going to take longer to succeed. And so yeah. I, I, I just prefer act as fast as you can and you'll succeed faster. Yeah. And like, just keep going, like just act and keep going. And, and it's kind of back to your piece of confidence, which is like, you know, if, if you, if you can't dive into the pool the right way the first time, just keep doing it and don't worry about what other people are thinking. Right? You know, yeah. I love that. Well, that's amazing. Chris, you've been more than gracious with your time. I really appreciate it our time together. Before I let you go, how can people follow you, get a hold of Trainual? You mentioned there might be an offer here. Yeah, yeah. So a special offer for anyone that's listening to this. If you're interested in Trainual, if you want a system for all your company SOPs and knowledge and documentation and training, just check it out, trainual.com. You can enter the code thinkingproject20 and get 20% off your first year. So that's my gift to everybody that's listening. If you want to follow me, I tend to hang out most on Instagram and LinkedIn. So follow me on both places at Chris Ronzio. DM me. I'd love to talk to you and hear about your business. Heck yeah. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate it. 